0: Huge space. Look how fast he's going. Polar opposite to the conditions he won in Lord. Rain so close Getting the last step down. The crowd is roaring. He is gonna do it. He's gonna smash the time. Oh Downhill racer and our expert here today, Andrew Needling podcast fans welcome back this is moving the needle podcast Uh, i hope you know who i am i'm andrew nietling you've been annoyed by me for a couple episodes now and i'm excited it's race season welcome to the crank brothers race review that'll be with me crank brothers is synonymous with dh racing circuit last year i can't believe it but they've celebrated 11 years in a row of elite world champs wins with that mallet dh pedal that's a pedal i used to race And they didn't stop there. They've been adding to their product offering the last few years, and now they've got a whole host of podium contenders in their shoes. Riders like Bernard Kerr, Luca Shaw, Laurie Greenland. Sven Martin will be with me. He has been an integral part of Crank Brothers' social media coverage over the last few years. And Alan Mulway, who actually is a Crank Brothers ambassador, and he trains the likes of Greg Minard, also on those pedals. And hey, He's our reigning world champion, which we'll chat about in the show. Guys, it's race season. It is almost here. Sven, how are we doing?
1: Just to, uh, since this is a factual podcast, Crank Brothers might have won 11 years in a row on the clip pedals, but it's 12 years if you add Sam Hills winning on flat pedals prior to that. Um, And that was for male, and they had pretty much almost the same through the women's podiums as well.
0: I remember we chat about that last year. Sven has to control everything and he has done a mighty job of the intro. But no, that is that is pretty good good info. We do need that because uh, the likes of Sam Hill is, you know, one of the most geez iconic names in downhill and we're going to get to pre-season and talking about things and there's not a lot of people on flat pedals anymore, but the other member of the team will be Alan Milway, who uh, put me through my paces. I trained with Alan as well. Alan, how are we doing? And where are you calling in from?
2: Hey Andrew. Hey Sven. Um, I'm calling from, believe it or not, a sunny and warm UK, which is Bullshit. quite a, it's quite a nice change. All all good here. Yeah, exactly. It's nice, beautiful day here, um, just outside Birmingham. And uh yeah, it's nice to speak to you both.
1: Yeah, what uh what uh I guess we're we'll gonna get to, get to that in depth. Andrew's probably got lots of questions for you, but at this time of the year, one two weeks before Lord, there's not much you can be having your athletes do, or is there some last second cramming?
2: No, fortunately there's there's no last-second cramming needed. Everyone's been pretty hard at work. Um, this week is, I think, for different people, slightly different things. Um, I know Greg's doing some testing. He's got some testing starting today with Fox. Um, Joe Breeden's on a new prototype intense that came through just last week, so he's getting some runs on that. And, yeah, some of the other guys and girls are just getting sharp, really. So it's quite an exciting time. I'm really looking forward to it. We're all, Most people are traveling either over the weekend or on Monday to head out to Lourdes, so um, just can't wait to get going now.
1: And I, I'm assuming Joe Breeden would be on that same Intense that Dakota Norton just won on in Windrock uh, last Saturday.
2: Yeah, that's it. There's been a few different versions, and I think um, Joe's now on the version that uh, Dakota's on. So, yeah, it sounds really good. I'm, I'm, He's excited.
0: Yeah, and if you think about a rider switching teams, because there was a lot of that, and maybe that's where we'll start jumping into, because uh, Sven's opened up that can of worms. For a rider that switched teams, I almost, uh, as, as hopefully they get on with the bike, but what I normally see with that is a lot more testing, a lot more riding, because they're forced to do that. So normally, maybe this early season race, if they got the bike early enough, They've got like a good amount of bike time. You've seen like Laurie Greenland, like he's obviously excited to ride the new bike. So he's putting a lot of downhill laps in. And I think that relates to uh, a lot more comfortability and touch and feel on the bike versus, say, some of the older guys, which is we should also get into. Like a Greg Menar, it's quite stale for him to ride the same bike, test the same stuff. And he's, you know, 40 years old. So it's a little bit more boring for them. So when guys switch teams, I look at that. If they get on with a bike, great, because they've done a lot of bike time. Lucas Shaw being one as well, he'll be wanting to have ridden the bike a lot more than normal in an off season.
1: Yeah, but I also think it depends. I think it depends on the rider itself. Um, for, sh- yeah, for sure, it's nice to get on something that's not stale, so to speak. But then there's also riders that can ride anything. Like there's, suspension technicians that have said in the past you could pour sand in danny hart and josh Bryson's suspension and like they would just get on with it and, and not complain and not be phased and it wouldn't affect them and i think maybe dakota is even one of those guys that would adapt to a new bike quicker than say gwyn so i'm actually not surprised that he's just you know he's literally been on that bike a, a couple of days or a couple of weeks just before that race and um yeah, pretty Im- impressive that he he took on so quick.
2: Yeah, I I agree with you, Sven. I think that it does depend on the rider because you know, Greg, how precise Greg is with setting up a bike. I think it would be quite it's quite a stressful scenario to go right. It's a completely fresh, you know, completely blank canvas, fresh bike, everything's new. You've got to get used to everything. But for another rider, it might be quite exciting to go right. Let's get some laps laps in. Um the the biggest thing that I've seen them over the years is that off season testing you can do as much of it as you like, but it just isn't racing. And even though the suspension gets set up really well pre-season, it, it always seems to be the case that it's too soft. You know, after day one of practice the suspension's too soft because they're just not riding at that speed and at that intensity. So it's something that I think if you're on a new bike, this first race might still, you know, for some riders, be quite, quite a, a challenge.
0: Yeah, I mean, I agree on that. I think my stance was it forces them to get a lot more bike time than maybe some of them would have put. Say, if you're training a rider, and a few days a week was downhill bike time. If you get a new bike, I think the rider would be pushing you. Say, I need to get some yeah, bike time, or let's add to that. But yes, the double-edged sword, and the the negative is. You've got to get that bike set up and you don't know what it does under race conditions. So that's why some of these pre-race races that the guys did is key, you know, and and, and you, can't, you can read into those results. But at the same time, I don't think you can read too much because it depends on what the guy's goal was at these races. We know some yeah. of the French guys know one speed, but maybe a Reece Wilson, he, he seems to have a little bit of like a more experienced head on his shoulders, I think. So he might know, okay, I'm going to push. I'm going to gauge myself. But if I'm two, three seconds back in a, on a three-minute track, I'm not too worried. I'm just gauging what the guy's race pace is. So, yeah, that's that's definitely interesting And in there. What's, lots of team changes. And uh, I think, I mean, the topic of this podcast is how early this season is. And we've spoken about some of those challenges. What, what other challenges do you think we can look at, Alan? I mean, some of these older statesmen uh, – I think it might be tough for them to elevate their game so early after you know, a shorter off-season, as well as knowing they need to peak later in the year. World Champs is coming. It's going to be an even longer season than they used to.
2: Yes. Yeah, it, I think also the venue that they've chosen being, like, Lords, the sun doesn't come up over that mountain where, when the juniors and the women have up at the top of the hill they've been up there for 30 minutes and it's so greasy and slick it, it doesn't inspire a lot of confidence early on in the day and it's got some really technical steep sections into it so I think it's a bit of a it could be a baptism of fire that track quite early on and then we've got a really big gap and such a different style of track you know going back to Fort William um so yeah it I don't know whether it's almost a not a standalone but like when we used to go to South Africa, Peter Maritzburg really early and then come back and have a big gap before you know the second round of the season. It will be quite interesting. There could be some people who are right on the pace and maybe some people who are still warming up into things and haven't quite got themselves where they need to be um, and maybe still started a little later. Yeah, started their training a little bit later and still need a bit of time to, time to get into it.
1: Yeah, I, I'm all for racing longer throughout the year but in going together with that i'm more for more races if you know if you still just have the the same seven eight race season it's just an odd one for me um being a kiwi or a south african or an aussie or someone from south america to come out and then literally two months later come back again you know it's it doesn't make sense. Uh, so, you know, I'm not gonna say we shouldn't have Lord on the calendar because after missing so many races the last two years with COVID, um, you know, you don't want that. But it it's seems an odd one to have such a early race at altitude where we've had snow before and it's a month earlier than the event we had snow at, um and we've had clay, uh, clay and wet. Um you Know if we're gonna have a race in March, it should be in the southern hemisphere and we should have two. So if someone's gonna travel all the way to wherever that race is in March or April, you should have you know two races in the three weeks or two bet races back to back, you know. One in Aussie, one in New Zealand, one in or one in South Africa, or, or one in Australia. You know what I mean? Like it's uh that's my two cents. Um, but that's really not what we're here to talk about. We're not gonna change the sport, we aren't the UCI. <laughs> But we could try. try,
0: Sven. We could try. try. That was quite a. We're going to try. constructive sport. moan. I've yeah, heard. exactly. I mean, you don't always give constructive criticism. I, I just backed it bitch, up. Like, all my
1: moans. <laughs> but that was, all my moans and arguments have a lot of constructive. Behind yeah, them.
0: fair enough, but they sometimes come across. Yeah, that's.
2: Yeah. It's, it's hidden in there hot. somewhere. Sometimes, it's sometimes, Sven. It's, sometimes that, ben, it's hidden in there. I thought that
0: somewhere. was quite politically correctly put, and I agree. It's more. I was speaking to Troy Brosnan. That podcast will come out after this one but uh, he had some great info on his picks because he could sort of unbiasedly chat about who he thought would do well and he also was was just up front he said why are we going racing in Europe in March like he's all for racing he's stoked that UCI wants to put on more races but I mean it's a no-brainer in a perfect world to go racing in the southern hemisphere be it Australia be it New Zealand be it South Africa be it Brazil be it somewhere with uh, you know a more moderate climate so We could do this podcast and I just spend quite a lot of time writing an article that'll get released in a day or two, which helped me prep. I mean, it could all be in vain. We could literally be laughing at each other with the snow or the rain coming down with the last 40 riders at the top of the hill, like the last time we were at Laws in 2017. So that is unfortunately one option for uh, the race being in March. It could just be a crapshoot.
1: That's why this... Show is not called off-track betting. We're not giving any betting advice. Um,
2: <laughs> would you would informed... you not bet against? Would you yeah. not
1: bet against an
2: Antipodean? Then would you say that um, you would you would go French? You would go European for wet, cold, muddy.
1: Track? In, in in Lord. In Lord if already? the con- <laughs> if the conditions are wet in Lord, you roll the dice, or you the guy that went down before the rain, like our last winner there. Um, nothing to take away from his win. But we had the launch of the the 29 inch Santa Cruz bikes. And, like, in qualifying, all three of them were top five, I think. Um, they had like a free two seconds with the new bigger wheels that, you know, we'll never know really because it, it rained and, and the racing is the final result is what counts. But if we have those slick conditions, because it's not about the snow and the temperatures, it's about that clay based and that. Um, that limestone, I believe it is. Um, and if you're ridden on clay and limestone, um, it's just not great for bikes. It's like but, soap.
2: Yeah. It's like riding on soap yeah. when it's wet, isn't it?
1: But then in Lord's defense, whether it's winter, summer, you could have that exact, you could have the rain in the summer too. So, but you know, it is March and we'd all the, all rather be in the Southern Hemisphere right now.
2: Very well. Yeah. I, I, understand. I think that's it. And it will be guys that can adapt because I think this is the other interesting thing is the cream does always rise to the top and those guys and girls will know this, won't they? We won't be telling them anything they don't know. They'll be prepared. They'll be doing what they need to do. And, you know, the top three, four girls that I think are going to be pretty close this year and how many top 10 that could be shuffled all over the place this coming season, I think it's going to be really exciting.
1: Yeah, and the, and I mean, in the last two weekend show... Um, they they are being prepared um they were a little bit further south in portugal a little bit drier but still um quite cold um you know that that's where we should have the, should have had the season opener um like they did basically it was es- essentially the season opener two weekends ago and then just uh just yesterday the racing further north in latitude than lord but a lot lower in in elevation in briot um I had a home base, not even fifty k's from there. Um, so, uh, middle of a farm, farming area in, in central central France. But uh, so, uh, yeah, we we will probably get into talking about some of those results as an indicator of uh, early season form because there was quite a big percentage of the of the world's best there.
0: Well, um, before we hop into sort of the pre-races, if you were not having any pre-races and we went off last year, I actually started doing some digging and some analysis and and wrote this article. And what the sad thing is the, one of the most consistent starters to the season, as well as has a win at the first race. And I'm sure you guys can all guess this guy who's got the most top fives, most top tens, and even a win in the last six years, because I had to throw away 2017 laws. So instead of five years, I went six years back. Yes. Who would you guess?
1: Well, we've already spoken about him. Who? Well, obviously Troy.
0: There you go. So, unfortunately, Troy won't be there. But if you contrast that to Manar, I think he has one top five in the last six years. So, Troy, yes, he has one win, two top fives, and two top cents in the five races I tracked. I and mean, you know, I threw away 2017 compared to Greg, Greg's who's a, known as the one most consistent. He's a
1: diesel. He's not going to start.
0: Fast. No, I know. He's not a fast starter, and I would say it for years. But I couldn't believe the lack of results at the first race. And it started making me think, if he could just get the first race better, he could be in for a title. Because you know they say you don't sort of yeah, win exactly. the You can't win the a championship, race, but you could yeah. lose it.
1: Yeah, on your, on your, that, yeah, on your worst days. Um, and then, you know, we could talk about first races um, and someone – like we're jumping the gun, I'm sure Andrew to Go for uh, it, but someone like Loic is interesting, um both of his history did a lot of pre pre race season preparation at uh at lozenge in Croatia and jumped into that first round also quite early, quite cold, um also same kind of rock, but because he was so confident from doing pre-season yes. testing on that track which is another contentious subject that I'm not too um, happy about but he jumped in with all that confidence and jumped at full gas and then got injured and, and you know had that elbow injury um, this year he's he's smartly he's wiser, he's older and of course he's like one of the most experienced, even, even when he was a younger race, he had one of the best race heads with, as proof is all those rainbow jerseys but if you look at the last race in Portugal, he took a slightly different approach to everyone else, and and I've had a couple of uh, direct um, feedback from a couple of people that were there and, and noticing how people were all in and some looked like they were literally just literally doing like a, a World Cup race run and someone like Loic I think is a lot smarter now and 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 his result at that round I don't think you should be concerned that it'll be indicative of his first race and Lord and it being a French race and we know how Loic loves the fans but he's taking the the safe approach we saw Omri go out last year before the season, season even started because he took the Omri approach which it looks like he's still doing if you look at his Instagram and if you look at his race result he's going clappers and he's not scared he's he's just it's almost like that injury last season didn't happen and he's literally doing the same thing I direct messaged him I'm like bro there's no need to go that fast, especially for Instagram or Instagram stories. Like, you should just chill. He's like, bro, that wasn't fast. And I'm like, all right, yeah, okay. And this weekend, home race, maybe it was a, a, a silver lining that he he was a bit ill and didn't take the start because, you know, you never know. He might have, like, tried to win in his hometown and that could have been detrimental. Who knows? We'll never know. But anyway, just things to consider. Frenchies in France. Well I
2: think what you you touched on something really interesting there Sven and it's to me it's how the riders are perceiving each of these events. So the way I will often dis- discuss it with my my riders is when they're riding we sort of traffic light system you know it's either green you're out there riding you're playing you're trying to learn there's not really any structure and there's no consequence at all to the outcome okay so that's like your green ride and then an an amber is when there's much more structure to it you might be testing timing comparing the bike setup being really quite structured but there isn't again a consequence to it you might have some times listed but there's no public consequence and then you've got this red riding which is again against the clock but there is a consequence there's an outcome to it and that to me is really interesting because i think some riders need more of those red rides because all they do is play and have fun and ride so quickly but when you turn up at a world cup that is red isn't it there's no green there what, whatever you want to tell yourself or tell the media there's an outcome to it it's going to be public but these riders they can go so fast when it's when it's sort of green and it's fun and they're learning but maybe the less experienced ones need a bit more of that, you know. Let's have some of these races, and that's what I've really liked seeing some of the guys, you know, Laurie on that new bike, and I know Charlie's been doing stuff with him where they've been racing each other to try and get a bit more of that, you know. Look, there's an outcome to this. We're going to be judged on it. Let's let's up the pace in these certain situations.
1: Sounds like you're uh, been consulting for the new zealand government with their covid health response with light system there it's 2022
0: we,
3: we, yeah traffic light to system
2: yeah i know no i think that um unfortunately traffic light systems are quite a nice easy way to 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 scale things and pre-pandemic yeah it probably uh, would have gone slipped past you there but
0: But you know what it makes me, it makes me think of is, um, sort of confidence momentum. And I think each rider with their team can almost use each race to help themselves. So Loic might go in, Hey, I'm experienced and he'll sort of take the pressure off. And we saw it with his results. And I saw his Instagram, like this face he had when you get smoked by everyone at the pre-race and he might be able to convince himself, Hey, it was a pre-race. I didn't put my best foot forward on purpose, you know, sort of hopefully help some of his confidence. But those other riders that win those pre-races, then they're going to use it as confidence. It's like such a sort of contradiction, I think, is because if a if a rider wins one, you say, well done, you're riding well. If you don't win one, you say, oh, it's just a preseason race. Exactly. Uh, I was only going there to test. Yeah, yeah. It's such an interesting one. So you've got to have a defined goal, sort of, before you get there. And I know, like with Greg, he is a slow starter, but I would never bet against him at the first World Cup as much as I would bet against someone else that got fifteenth at the first pre race because I've been there with him, and he he had Rob Roskopp saying, "Hey, uh, do you want me to book you like a psychologist? Like, what's going on? Like, you're off the pace." He's like, "Just give me one or two more races. If it's still a problem." But I'll I'll think about it, and then the first race is in the top five or something. So but should, I think the more experienced rider is able to lift his game, even if he factually struggles at a preseason race,
1: should, like a Leuk. Should Greg, for that very reason, if you say he's been a slow starter, should he not have been at one of those preseason races? I mean, they were in Portugal, so they do have. They were obviously testing and going against the clock. Um. So maybe they maybe they did enough of that there. But um, should he not have stayed one more week and done the Toluca race?
0: I mean, you, you, you could I mean, well, say None that, of us can tell Greg what the, to do. Well, maybe, exactly. maybe Alan like,
1: can. <laughs> it's
0: just on paper, he hasn't done as well in the beginning of the season and, and past, year, past years before, you know, he's been around for a long time. But the thing with Greg is, and each ride, as Alan will say, you've got to understand what makes you tick. You've got to understand that Greg knows World Cup pace so well. And whether you take him to a preseason race or not, I just think he's been in the game so long. To keep the longevity, if you go preseason race and get ready for the first one that hard, he might not be there at the end mm-hmm. of the season. And he might not be there for another year or two racing. So it's a catch-22 with him. But if you say, is Gwyn, should he be going over there? Should yeah. he be sacrificing? Well, he learned when he was on Specialized Shucks. Yeah. He didn't have the bike set up, but I do see him over on the East coast, which when well, he bought a the house condition. there, so he put himself where yeah, the tracks like, are. Exactly. And,
1: and I will, I will actually correct myself. Uh, I'll take that back. Greg, if you ever listen to this, do you think Greg ever listened to this? I'm going to say no, but, uh, he did a preseason race. It was national champs in South Africa and he was yeah, he got punctured, on, on a winning it? time. And he, and he punched him yeah. in, in the rock on, on his track that he won, um, the world cups and, and world championships on. So, uh, so, yeah, so he has put himself through that race weekend prep and, you know, got to the final and everything.
0: Yeah, and I think it's changing for him. I think the younger teammates, he spoke about how fun that's been for him. I think they're going to push him. I think they're going to keep him young. And he is aware that it isn't the old days like 10 years ago where you could come out of the off-season fit. And then the first race, sometimes you'd go to Seattle in April. Then you'd go over to Europe in May and you'd do a preseason season or a test. And then everyone raced you know, say Fort William in June. Now the season's earlier and half the riders like Lloyd testing in New Zealand, like everyone's up the off season downhill bike time. And he knows that. So unfortunately he's just trying to play catch up and aware of it. And I think he will be decent there. Will he be on race winning pace? I mean, I'd like to say yes, but it's going to be a tall order.
1: Yeah. Well, then again, um, not to take anything away from Greg, but, uh, made a big change last year and he's attributed a lot of the change to his new balance and straight balance uh, in getting his muscles balanced in his body and and new form of strength training which is literally i mean alan you, you've got to take you've got to be pretty happy that the first is it the first year you worked with greg and you came away with a rainbow jersey
2: second yeah yeah well, so I'll I'll take that, but I think it's his, to be honest, it really is what I'm so amazed by is his openness to accept a change at that age, because for me to come in, I had a camp with the syndicate, Um, it would have been 19, yeah, so it'd have been 19 I had a camp with the syndicate uh, in the winter, and uh It was what I found really interesting was the fact that he was open to this, me coming in and saying, look, I've seen this. I think we should try something different. I think you should try something new. And for a lot of people at that age with that much experience and success, it would be very easy to go, you know what, I'm quite happy with where I'm at. And I had to build that trust with him and understand him. And that's why we did quite a lot of testing, physical testing, so I could see where he's at. And he's got some incredible... um, strengths physiological strengths his like aerobic conditioning is phenomenal but there were some clear gaps and I think my job and my challenge was to show him that as an opportunity and say look you can capitalize on this and we can improve it and he's been open to it and he's been happy to to follow through with it because it would be very easy for him to look at it as impacting on other areas or taking up more time or making him more tired and we've really tried to get that balance right, and yeah, you see it on the bike, don't you? You see that position on the bike, and he's able to maintain that position on the bike and and fight back as it was. So um, yeah, it's, it's been a it's been a good process.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think uh, when I heard that he was working with you and in the gym, and I actually did a, a project with him, and I got dragged back in the gym, and yeah, a few <laughs> thing, a few things stood out. I mean, he you don't become the greatest of all time with, without putting the work in, but he's always trying to evolve. And as much as people say, he goes home and, and he has a bit of fun. I think that is the way that he stays in the sport so long, play a bit of golf, have a few too many beers when the time is right. And he's really good at that balance, you know, and they say in life, but he clearly didn't have the full workout balance. So when he added the gym structure, I saw, I was like this, this could make a make a good difference now later in his career with the youngsters coming in and Gwyn changing the game, you know. So that was great to see. And, and like I said, I do see that he can be quick at the first race. I just think the challenge for him is the youngsters are riding so much, you know, and, and for him, he's been doing it so long, you know, to get him motivated, to get him to spark, he needs a World Cup. Like a preseason race to Greg... It's tough for him I, to elevate yeah. his game. And someone like Loic as well, when they're putting all yeah. that into winning a World Cup series overall at the end of last year, that takes a lot of energy out of them. And they need to reset. They need to get away to build up that motivation. Because every year coming back after an off season, I think it's harder and harder. And someone like, maybe we can jump to the Frenchies. You've got Amari showing he knows one speed and that's 100%. Another guy that knows one speed that me and Troy were speaking about is Thibaut de Prela. Yes, he got injured last year. That's a knock to his confidence.
1: And I think but he had a flat, he, flat at the race yeah, in Portugal, right? He was
0: qualified and didn't look too good, but I don't know the full story. But is he young enough that it's almost ignorance is bliss? It doesn't matter that he was injured. Like To him, he knows one speed, and he, the hunger's there at that age. So like, an Amari and a Thibaut are going to come out firing at the first race, even though it's early.
1: Yeah, for sure. He 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 He... Yeah, there's a contradiction about what I'm going to say because he is young, but he's bred like a Nico. He's been mentored by Nico. I'm talking about Vuyo here. So, as young as he is, coming from the juniors um, and and kind of a rookie elite, he has the race head of someone ten years older. Um, yet at the same, so he has the lower factor, but then he also his detriment at the end of last year i asked him i didn't go to west virginia um i said to him so what are you going to do you pretty much just need to get two top 20s and he's like no i'm going to go for the win not go for the podium or try fast he said no, i'm going to go for the win and you know sadly that uh for both him and pom pom it uh it, it just didn't end the season just didn't end that way um and but you know, sometimes that's what makes these champions, champions, and winners, winners. Like, even though he would have just had to wrap up the season, if he wasn't didn't have the personality type to always go for it, he wouldn't have put himself in that position to win the season. So, you know, he's gotta to try to stay true to himself. Um, but I mean, I'm sure he would have got a couple of cracks from the team manager because he literally just had to finish the two races. But um that's why we love the sport that's why we're here talking about the sport and it hasn't even started because of um you know there's no uh recipe to success and and uh you know you've talked about those two frenchies and we've talked about Loic and Omri and uh, Deprella all for sure podium threats season long they could all win the series but now there's another frenchie that slowly but surely crept up had top tens got the odd podium and now if you look at world champs and last year, he, he's now literally become a consistent podium threat and he can win a race. He's, he's at second at world champs and, and Koulange who's just slowly but surely worked on his, his riding and come off different bikes. He used to have that um, gearbox bike with a belt drive and now he's on the bike that's, you know, winning a lot of races. There's a, there's only a handful of, bikes that are getting on the podiums these days and and um he's been on on it for a while and uh him and and omri's brother were on the podium this weekend and he was on the podium the weekend before in in france so so actually from this two to take away from this two weeks racing that a lot of people been at he's he would be leading the series right now if it was uh yeah you know omri didn't race so we don't know but benoit or yeah he's uh he's going to be my he's not he, last year I think he was our like sort of wild card pick I'm going to say he's going to be one of the regulars this year. So what and do you, what do you
2: think, yeah, what do you think has has brought that sort of steady improvement because I've certainly felt he's been uh would you agree more of a slow burner in terms of he sort of gradually got better and better and better and now he's cemented himself as really one of the challenges.
1: Well, you know what it is um when I was in business school a long, long time ago. Um, one of the things is budget were number two in car rentals and Avis were number one. Maybe I'm getting this completely wrong, but it doesn't matter who was number one and number two. But one of their slogan, whoever was number two, and I believe it was budget, it was like, maybe it was Avis. One of their slogans is, We try harder, right? So when you're number two, and let's look at the common sell pecking order, like, we can't call them the B team anymore or because the, yeah, they yeah. they're another factory team. They they have um they have Cammy, um, Rainbow Jersey winning World Cups and she's won these one last weekend. Um so like they're not the B team, but in terms of like media attention and whoever everyone thinks, you know, they've got Pom Pom and Armory versus Cammy and Benoit, like so let's call them in our heads the number two team. That's gotta be a quiet motivator. One, knowing you're on some of the best equipment, race proven bike, but also like you always want to A, you want to beat your teammate, or B, you actually want to beat the other fucking team that's also, you know, that you're sharing yeah, and you get, resources yeah. with. And who wants to like these guys, Max is at every race and and they want nothing better than having Max be at the party in their pits at the end of the weekend. It's just that pat on the back and um and it's got to be a motivator. And you know what? That team is just like the cell team. They get on like a family. They've got a lovely team manager. It's the, it just works well. And there's a good chemical balance. And the personalities work. And they all, they all really like to be at the races on the weekend. So I think that's just, you know, happy racer is a good racer.
0: I think to Alan's point or his question, and yeah, I agree with all that. And
1: Sorry, that was a bit long-winded.
0: I, I'm nice. gonna wrap this up. It's, it's not like it's not <laughs> no. like you like talking or anything, Sven. Coming from me, but um, on those. I mean, you brought up some great points. I think calling it the B team isn't no sort it's of not. fair anymore. Yeah. But unfortunately, it is the let's call it the satellite team. It is not. No, the I, I, team, I would say it's. I'd say it's an, factory another support. factory team. Yeah. Yeah, yeah like but surely it's B team,
2: team. team on salary. Would you not agree with that?
4: One hundred percent. So
0: yeah, that is there's no denying that that must be a little bit of a motivating factor. I don't know exactly what motivates him, but for sure stepping up and kicking the factory team's ass must feel very good come Sunday night when you're drinking a beer. But your question was, where has he come from? Why is he doing so good? I think that's the French factor. I think that's doing these French cups. I think that's seeing the guys ahead of him and getting towed up to speed. Clearly he's got the skill, he's got the talent and the work, but – over time, this French domination is coming from these guys all racing together and all wanting to do as good as each other. And then he might see himself, shit, I just got fifth at a French cup. Look who's ahead of me. Oh, I just got fourth. Okay, so I can ride the pace of these guys. I've just got to now learn to do it when the pressure's on. The other thing, speaking of pressure, if he carries on doing what he does, and he does go to the factory team, that brings a whole nother set of expectations, salary demands, all those sort of stuff. That'll be interesting to if see. If Comincel
1: can keep both teams then well, at yes, that point, but yeah.
0: We all know some people do very well as the underdogs. Some people do very well as the B-rider. Yeah. As soon as you're the only guy in that tent and you look around you go, shit, if I don't get a result, yeah. that all mechanic me. might not have a job. You know, it's all on me. And, and, and that's what makes a true champion is to block all that out and deliver. But I think wild card is not the right term but I don't know what we call for a guy that hasn't won a world cup but has the very much the potential to win the first race which has not been done for a very long time and he would be one of those guys
1: yeah yeah uh, I I um I would say yeah I would say he's more of a consistent podium rider but he will win a race so I won't call him for the first race but and just but if on, there on was that, a guy, could on, he be the guy?
0: Say someone was a first-time winner, it could be... I mean, a first-time winner, make,
1: yeah, yeah. Then, then, then he's one of the few guys that can win that hasn't, hasn't yeah. won. But then it's, it's just crazy talking about the French and what motivates them. I think maybe maybe that battle, like some countries, you know you're going to make the world's team. I mean, I made the world team like three or four or five 10, you know, years <laughs> in a row racing for South Africa. So but like... You're just it's, a selfless it's, plug. It's, huh? Just a selfless <laughs> plug. No, I'm, I'm not. I'm saying, if you listen, hear me out. If I was <laughs> French, there's not a chance in hell. If I was Kiwi, if I was Aussie, there's not. If I was American, I could have made the world's team that one year. But any of those other countries, you were not. I was not making the world team. But no, look, totally at, right. look at, look So you're, you're growing up as a junior rider or up and coming rider, and you're probably your biggest goal is I want to make the world's team. I want to be the top five French guy. I want to be the top six or seven, mm-hmm. however many allocations get. Look at Antoine Vidal, come from Enduro, qualified second at World Champs last year. Like, where the fuck did that come from? On Soul, you know, um, also on a Common Cell and uh, also French and on a third or fourth Common Cell team, you know? So, yeah, it's uh, something in the water in France. And well, I've got a follow up to that because you sort of, what I've
2: seen, you used to see this in the UK a lot and I think maybe we're seeing a little less of it, is everyone riding together as like a a decent squad of UK riders. And now I think me might be getting back to that a little bit, but it has been a few years where the riders didn't want to ride with each other. I worked with two or three elite downhill guys that all in the UK who didn't really want to train and ride together. And the French that I've seen over the winter, I've seen some of, um, pom-poms like winter training camps with the rest of the crew how good is that you bring yeah. this group of really talented very dedicated professional riders together with some mechanics so you can make some meaningful changes to the bike and you can try stuff and then you put them on the same hill at the same time and that this is not the same as going to the same bike park and riding different shuttles and i think that's what maybe if i you know i may be Talking no, you, here, but...
1: no, you hit the nail on the head, I think, you
2: know, because I mean, yeah,
5: it,
1: it, yeah it, even, um, even you're seeing, uh, Cecile's training a lot of them, but she's has athletes from cross country, Enduro and Daniel all training in the same weekend camps and they all gleaning something off yeah, each other. Exactly. And, and like you said, the, the, a lot of the French riders, they, the, each other's biggest competitors, but they are feeding off each other and riding with each other. And, and, uh, in the, in the world surf league, um the Aussies there hasn't been a good crop of Aussies for so long. And now the Aussies are doing what the Brazilians have done for the last five years and they piggybacking accommodation with 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 each other and then and they they staying on the beach watching each other's heats. And then suddenly you've had three or four rookie Aussies qualify for the first time, which they haven't had that field for a while. So Adam, I think exactly what you said. It it's having those posses and, and the Aussies had it when they had Sam, Rennie, Graves, Bryn, Kovarik, those guys were a posse. And the stepchild Andrew. And then Andrew was the, uh, the, <laughs> yeah. the adopted. But it, but uh, I
0: only bring that up because and Yeah, you're right. Training was fun, but the race was almost easy because I was trying to hang on the back of these guys that had, you know, they were the best riders in the world at that time. You had Rennie, Sam Hill, so we're doing laps at Big Bear. I mean, it, 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 I was so out of my depth in the beginning. But then I could hang on with them. So then a World Cup to me was easy. I was like, well, I can hang on with these guys at Big Bear. So then what's the difference? So you're totally right, Alan, that it elevates your game. It hurts your ego in the beginning.
2: Exactly. Like, That's just, the problem. You is like, you yeah.
0: let that get in the way of like, geez, I'm getting smoked here. It's like, no, well, fine. What can I do to improve? Okay, cool. He's dragging me up to speed. One week I'm better, one week he's better. But yeah, that French race series, as well as them going, yeah. you know what? We're competitors, but if we ride together, we're going to push each other. And then maybe we both can, you know, get first or second, yeah. or either or. So you see it in motocross a lot. It's changing. The guys all like ride at the same compounds. And for sure, one guy's better than the other guy in practice, but it's pushing everyone, it's elevating the game. Which. Uh,
1: yeah, it also it also like yes, they can ride and practice together, but they almost don't even have to be friends, if you have a strong national or local series. Because we saw how the Brit- just you know this current genre of the last three, two, three years where we've had the French really like it's just a new a new French wave, let's call it. But just before that, you know, and after the Aussies was the British riders, and it's like you said, and it's also indicative of a very strong. And successful BDS series then. And and now the last two years, you're not having everyone.
2: No, even, it's really fallen away. Yeah. So and, yeah, and
1: exactly. with that, we have less Brits on the top. You know, we had a whole wave of them and it was also one of the hardest teams to qualify for for world champs. Um and back when the Norbo was a really strong series, you had all the internationals, the Europeans, the the British riders, the South Africans, the Aussies were all competing at the Norbas. So so yes, yeah. Um I think really what what the sport needs um besides what we focus on the world Cup, but we really need to have those strong feeder series the i x s is good for the mid 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 europe riders um but I think each country and region really needs to have a strong domestic racing series and and I wish we could put more uh incentive for the the top rider in each region you know they should almost be like they have to do races in their region in addition to the World Cups, like they have to do at least two nationals or one national national champs, you know. Um, obviously, it can't work for everyone. But, you know, those things to me are important both for the future of the sport and it actually will just benefit everyone in, in you know, in those regions. And it, What's
2: interesting, what you're saying, that last point, Sven, is I, I completely agree. I'd love to see it contracted in where you would do the British race series and the World Cup series. But it seems as though I know quite a few riders Um, that in their contract, they've got the World Cup Series and then select EWS events. Now, the only reason really they're going to these EWS events is for the marketing exposure, because that's not going to help them win a downhill race, really, is it? Compared to getting in amongst the cohort and testing and, and being at a national. And I think if the national series could be elevated back to where they have been, the UK, it's ironic, really, because in the UK now, with Dubby Bike Park, Revolution Bike Park, we've got Langofla Kesus, then we've got Scotland. There's, we could honestly hold a World Cup event at a couple of different venues here, I would say, um, with some very technical, difficult tracks. We've got some fantastic tracks, but we don't have that real kind of co- cohesiveness that maybe we need and... I'm at bike parks a lot that are really, there's some really technical stuff, difficult stuff there. And you'll see really good riders there, but they're sort of like ships in the night, you know, on the hill. They're not really working together at it all the time.
0: That's interesting about, you know, having the EWS series. And I think it's great. I mean, look, I love Enduro, don't get me wrong. But at the same time, some of these riders, if they're trying to get results in downhill, it's a piss poor attempt at getting extra marketing because yeah you'd be better off doing a local race or i'm doing, doing something else with your time i mean you're going to go there and you know some guys could do do well but i agree with that um i think that also we could open up a can of worms because sometimes i think the sponsors want it all they want the youtube they want the social media and then they want the downhill result and i'm like okay cool but let's focus on one thing what do you want and how do we get that? And you probably, as a coach, have to deal with, is that the best use of your time and energy leading up to a race? And, I, and that's a can of worms. Yeah, that's open. the
5: bit. We can't
2: yeah, have. Sven, yeah, I'd be interested to hear because I, I've got, so I work with EWS riders as well, and I started working yeah. with Greg Callahan this winter. And the, the structure of his training is very different. You know, he's he's got technical elements, and we're trying to get, we've looked at what he we think he needs to succeed in the event and we're training him for that. And interestingly, he's going to do some pre-season uh, UK downhill races because there's this big, this later start in the UWS season. But I don't think you'd ever send Greg to a World Cup downhill race if you flip it on its head and go, well, let's get some more bike time at a World Cup because he'd be like, well, I've not been focused on that. And there will be riders who will do both and I do wonder what your thoughts are on this Sven because I wonder whether this sort of rider doing both was actually in the sponsor's best interest because they'll be like you know what I could get two for the price of one here I'll get one rider to do both series I'll pay him a half decent salary but maybe not a downhill salary and an EWS rider salary and you had this rider that was doing quite well in both but not necessarily I think Eddie Masters is probably the the exception here he was doing incredibly in both But, you know, what's your thoughts on using EWS to help downhill?
1: Well, I would say um, I'm going to disagree with Andrew, um, as I like to do. But I'm going to say that um, an EWS racer doing some downhill events will probably help that EWS racer more than a downhiller doing EWS events, all yeah. Right? So in that point, yeah. I agree with With I was Andrews, going to say, it
0: sounds like he's agreeing with me. We could just get this on record. No, no, I'm saying which one is more beneficial.
1: <laughs> is it... <laughs> which one is more beneficial. But um, let's say, look at Jamie edmerson when he privateered two years ago for the first time. He would never have got those downhill podiums in that short COVID year if he wasn't super sharp on racing and hadn't done three back-to-back EWSs and then straight into a downhill. And let's not kid, like, I don't know when last year you guys have been in an EWS round, but it is no longer riding at 70 and 80%. It's it's downhill racing. And it's uh, it's incredible what they are able to achieve. Um, and the courses have been somewhat shortened and, and the format's been somewhat tweaked and there's some repeat of some tracks. So it is getting a little bit more like downhill, um, which I'm not in, in agreement of at all. Um, to me, that goes against the whole ethos and the whole point of it. But... Um, and for sure, Eddie, Eddie uses Daniel to be fast at EWS, and he uses EWS to be fast at Daniel. You know, he wants to do all his pedaling that he does for EWS training that serves him well in Daniel, and all his speed that he gets from Daniel racing. So yeah, and Vale will do a couple of EWS races this year, and I wouldn't be surprised if we see Rachel doing an EWS perhaps before we see her doing a World Cup Daniel again. Um, there's some riders that, you, yeah, you're right, it would be wasting the time. Greg's um has podiumed at EWS but then those are back in the days when when he he did like was actually at a downhill venue that where he podiumed his EWS but
0: maybe it's time and place then it's yeah time and place and the rider but and and just to do it for the sake of like getting extra out of your athlete I think we must be aware when to do that
1: and and the end of the day um you know, Loic's not going to be wasting his time doing EWS because he could do what you said, Alan, and focus more on downhill during that time. But, like, unless you're fighting for the top, you know, five, I don't think there's any... If you're not a top five or top ten rider that you really need to be focusing on your discipline um, and Eddie being the only only exception, as you said, um, then I think, you know what, at the end of the day people want to love riding their bikes. And if you fall in love with riding your bike again and not just training one course and, uh, you know, Daniel is, are doing, um, say five runs a day, 15, 15 runs max on a Daniel weekend. And that's 15 times three. That's 45 minutes of bike time per weekend. You know, Enduro riders are getting five hours of bike time per weekend, Absolutely. If if not, if not 10, depending on the format, So you get benefits from that and you maybe, you
2: know. And against the clock, like as you as we've been talking about against the clock, you get probably more against the clock riding in a weekend of EWS than you do for 90% of a downhill season. So I, I I definitely, yeah, absolutely. It's to it's just balance, isn't it? And also different riders needing different things. There's some riders that just want to ride all the time, like the Kate Edwards, the Bernard Kerr's, the Brendan Faircloughs riding their bike all the time. and, And their skill level is absolutely through the roof. And the other point that I find fascinating is I don't think any one of those riders I've just named there is lacking in any level of skill on any track you will ever put in front of them. Their limitation to winning a downhill race is not their skill. And I don't think it is for the top probably 25 riders. And it no, I just think that it, because to me downhill is so interesting because of that, you know, you're, the, the tracks can be technical in places, but it's very rare that you'll get to a track and think there's only a few people that are going to do this line. You know, it might start off like that. And again, sometimes a few people that are doing that line aren't always the ones that win the race. It doesn't seem to be the absolute limiting factor. It's, it's being able to put that run down when it counts. You've got, you, you know, you might do 10 runs across the weekend and no one cares about the first eight runs. The ninth run is you're qualifying and, you know, give or take a couple of practice runs on Sunday. The only run that matters is the very last one you do.
1: Yeah, and it's interesting what you said about those three riders, Cade, Bernard, Brendan. Their their love of riding bikes and the amount they're riding bikes, I have probably see maybe as a... A negative in their downhill racing results. Maybe, perhaps they enjoy bikes so much that they maybe lack the focus and the and maybe the the recovery that you need to have just to be a downhill champ. But Kate Edwards surprised me because uh, at at a, in the first Portugal race, all his teammates, um, you could just kind of gather that he he was straight away just ridiculously fast and riding and hitting lines and and uh he's he he still actually ended up with a good result but um i think i think we might see you know everyone's expecting or wondering when he's into rampage and and even like trek or like oh whenever you want to stop racing just be a you know another free rider but i think that motivates him more than ever you know everyone's assuming that that the other two other three boys are the are the racers and he's the like the jack of all trades or just the Instagram star. But um, I think, you know, it's been a couple of years since he won the rainbow stripes as a junior. And I wouldn't be surprised if that internal team rivalry, you know, you might think Cade's not a competitive person on the outside, but when he's so competitive against himself, trying to like land a, a crazy skate park run or trick, or, you know, he's like a skateboarder that just really single focuses on one thing. And if he can have that mental approach and 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 dedication to Daniel, I think we're going to see him join the other Trek boys on the podium.
2: And he's in that nice position, isn't he? He's he's in like in that mental space in the team. He's he can look at himself as the underdog rider. Like you were just saying, the other two races are there, and he's kind of come in and he's got that flexibility um, to say, well, I'm getting the, the the content, but at the same time. I I heard his interview that he gave Boris after the Portugal race. And you can tell, you know, he wants to win. He really does. And he he was very explicit in what he said. But then also what I found really interesting, going back to the earlier point I was making, was he says he's absolutely fine when everything's chilled. But when it gets stressful, he's not so good with the stress. And, you know, my traffic light analogy, your immigration analogy, they... I think that might play a part. You know, you've got that element of when there's no stress and he's able to try things again and again. I don't think you'll see anyone faster on track. But when it comes down to that one run, it's having such a breadth of riding and riding so much, maybe narrowing that vision isn't quite there for him.
0: Yeah, and, and maybe with him talking the way he is, and uh you've sort of alluded, we'll have some awesome audio signbites at the end of the podcast. So definitely don't don't miss that. But Kate Edwards is talking like he's almost a bit sick of being known as the the trick guy or the guy that can kinda do everything. Mast, you know, like <laughs> Master, what is it? What does it say? Jack of all trades. Yeah. Well, actually, master he's a master of none, but he's a he's master, the master of, of a lot. He's so, the master of a lot. Yeah. But maybe he goes, you know what? Before I become the jack of all trades, master of all of those, I, I do want to tick off some race results. And he's talking with fire. Like he's talking with yeah, a bit of a absolutely. fuck you attitude, which is great. And I swear on purpose because he's kind of coming across like that. And I think to your analogy, he needs more reps under race conditions where he's actually mm. focusing. And he's doing these pre-race races at pace. And he's got two great teammates to feed off, three great teammates. Holy shit, they got a yeah. four-rider team. Yeah, so yeah. I did want to eventually get over to them because Alan eventually has to maybe get back to actual work. So let's move on to... we've. Hey, little Cade
1: story. Uh, Lenzer hired first-year junior. Me and him were just like, um, I could see the potential, but there was way more potential. I enjoyed getting crazy, like free ride photos during the Daniel tracks. So I was like kind of guilty of egging him on and, and at Lens that built that new big finish line feature and he was doing tired, but tire taps. And, and he would have done boss spins if he could have. Um, and then I remember like at world champs the next year and was at lens harder And he was like, Hey, and, and, and of course it counts more if he doesn't in his ra- race run, you know, like, um, and he's like, Sven, what do you want me to do? I'm like, bro, you are fucking doing nothing because I want you to be 100% in the game. Don't be thinking about a tie tap or a, like a crazy whatever you was going to do. He maybe would have three the flat drop. But, um, and like, I'm quite proud. I claim a lot of victories. I claim Greg's one at, um, at uh, Portugal two years ago. But uh, I, I forbade him to do i told him i'm not even shooting the finish line feature is, is that not and, rare for you though, Sven?
2: It, Wait, but is to, that not rare for you because normally i remember going back to another story where you're involved dan afton yeah. had worked his absolute socks off all winter for ews he'd done training like no human can do i was so now excited and then sven martin yeah exactly and then they had a photo shoot with sven martin <laughs> And Athi comes back with a dislocated shoulder because Sven told him to 360 this jump for, no. for absolutely no reason. No,
0: that's, we got to move no. on.
2: Thank you for <laughs> that. No, I, I and don't what, have... And, a... what about, and what about a certain about... Greg Minow just a few was weeks gonna ago? Say. I got a I got a message oh, of Greg, like yeah, an man. audio message. And he was like, I've been out shooting with effing Sven Martin. And I've he, he had to get that shot and I've gone down on my wrist. And I just literally was like, damn you, Sven.
1: Yeah. The curse. Um, I'm guilty on the great one. I definitely made him. I I actually like made him do something ridiculous that he didn't. This. That, <laughs> he, that he didn't want to do. He said, "Sven, I don't want to do that line because that doesn't feel natural." I'm like, dude, just do it slow and do it fake and pop it. and oh, and man. And uh, he, that's not how he rides. I don't know what I was trying to do. Change change the road, but um, Dan Atherton when he did that 360, I literally didn't even didn't even have the camera in my hand. He just did it. And I was like, why would you go do that? Just like, um, actually, I might have made him do it again so I could yeah, get Yeah, you it.
0: have. Exactly. and yeah, just yeah. Like, He probably exactly. did it fine. Then yeah. Sven yeah. said, well, you, you've done it once. We'll do it again. I you definitely didn't
1: say one more time,
0: though. That's for sure. <laughs> all right. Mo- moving on. As much as we all like the stories, and I do, um, we eventually got to get to some other riders. And there is, Gwyn will get to, because I did, you know, on that stats, Kind of discovery. We'll get to him, but Reese Wilson winning his first World Cup. Obviously, you spoke about Rainbow Stripes, so he backed that up, which definitely must have been sort of a, a tough thing for him. But I'm really impressed with Reese Wilson. And if it wasn't for Drop Chain, he might have won the lot la- you know, like two of the last races. Yes, same mm-hmm. venue. But and if it he- wasn't for
1: hitting his head against the tree, he would have won the World Cup after the um, <laughs> after yes. the World Cup. We're champs.
0: Yes. No. We're no. Of course. Into. But that is confidence overconfidence, and he's over got to go through those and lessons. if he didn't make the most viral clip of all of internet which In we'll see him
1: do again at leger can't wait um he might have won that <laughs> race too.
0: yeah but he's got to go through these things now being a top rider can win races he's going to go through the goods the highs the lows the uglies so he's do been you, through that do you but think he's one of the few riders with a win last year that has momentum on his side so, I like momentum coming into the season. His preseason races, is that just a tactic to not be as fast as other guys? You know, maybe he's realizing Leger wasn't the smartest thing to go that hard into that kicker. No, that was amazing. No, it was amazing. But thank goodness he was all <laughs> right. No, I love it. Best <laughs> clip of downhill I've seen in the last like 10 years or whatever it may be. But um, I mean, but no, he rides I, the tracks I, differently I like as well. I, yeah. I like Reese. I like exactly. He's unique. He has this. He has this sort of head on his shoulders, except for Leger, but that's just because he's he's riding so confidently. I, well, and, and especially and
1: in tracks. the tricky, slick conditions. So we can definitely, if everyone has equal and fair conditions at Lord, and if it is slippery, Sli- not saying he's a wet weather rider because he's proven hmm, that he no, can back not, it up on, but in the dry. You're right, that's but even more of a point it's for sure. Like
0: the wet's going to suit him more than some others.
1: Yeah, right? yeah. Well, in Scotland you have grit, so the grit gives you a bit of grip. So, but then. So yeah, it's Lord is just another yeah, it's just another one.
0: Yeah, so he could be a really good pick actually. Now that you say, if we think about the wet and and he, we know he's comfortable. Also, we know Alan. Some of these riders like to moan if it's cold, it's rainy. I was one of those guys. Like depending on the race, but it's a lot more admin. It's a lot more shit to deal with. You know, like Reece lives yeah, in a very exactly. cold place. He's so used to it. Like just putting that. on multiple sets of kits a day and cold, rainy. He rides in that shit every day. Danny Hart as well. It's not going to phase him.
1: You know um, Formula One. Yes, I know. What's, yes, curr- Sven. what's currently going on in Formula One? Um, all these guys have this this testing, which is essentially what we've had these last two weeks of races that we that we're watching, that we're basing last year's form and results and this year's sort of pre season form. Don't you think it's a little bit of like smoke and mirrors? Like, like who is going hard as they would in a World Cup? Like, you know, Greg can't go hard if it's not a World Cup. Um, Al-Marie clearly went hard, but maybe he didn't. Maybe he's showing his cards. Like, you know, to me, the guy that's hiding the cards best. Um, which which unless you know how to work the French internets like I do, um, not many people know that uh, Finn qualified first. At this race in Brio, because they did qualify and race, and good luck trying to find those results. I did, and I have
0: them. Um, let Sven, me just prove Sven wrong because he loves
1: to do it. Oh, uh, you me. have the results too.
0: Yeah, which ones would you like? The the qualifying. <laughs> yeah, I got.
1: I don't. You don't have to okay. show me. That's not it. That's He's
0: not the qualifying. No. Anyway, do, don't you think that this Taruka. minute?
2: Yeah, but do you not.
0: Think I think
1: with- I think Finn. I think Finn might win the opening round. Let's put. Let's put me. Okay, down. Great, because he's
0: another. He's the wild card that hasn't won a World Cup. But yeah, but yeah. look at him at the end of last it. year,
1: and and um, and, you know, especially if Loic looks like he's got some, I wouldn't say issues, but uh, clearly Finn doesn't. And then, every now and then, like he releases some clip, um, and he did so the week a couple of days ago, and oh, I've just. You cringe when you see him and Omri going that fast on such a narrow trail between trees, sending gaps that you know it's. It just shows confidence, that speed and confidence. And then he goes ahead and qualifies first, and then like Formula One, he didn't want to show all his cards, and he just like didn't want to show he was the fastest car. And he had he had modified side pods and everything. But
6: all yeah,
2: all
1: five of those, but all five out. of those were in the same speed. second.
0: But with... I mean. He's only yeah, he's only point yeah. four back. So. Yeah,
1: and, and, and but that's and having this race be such a short race is a really good primer for the World Cup because there is no mistakes and you have to, you know, Bernard said he lost two seconds at the start, of the first pedal he just spun.
0: Well, of course he did. Yeah, but he'll tell you that. he's
1: actually real happy with his speed and his not his he doesn't care about his result. He's happy with his speed. So having this really short race after the longer one the weekend before is is, is like to me like. It's just that people are primed. There's not going to ease into the season. It's going to be full gas at Lord, right, right away.
0: Yeah. And what about someone like Aaron Gwynn, which not sure what happened at that race. If we look at those stats that I brought up, has an incredible track record. He's also won twice in Lords. You you know, he's got some of the best track record at the opening season. I think he's got three in the last six years. He's got three wins. At at an opening round, yes, some of them were a few years ago. But I went back the last seven years, you know, and he's got a bunch, he's got some wins and top doing fives, it at Lord, yeah, and doing it at Lord. Yes, the form hasn't been there. That is the question. Yeah, mark. but that form might have been related what, what, to Alan, race lingering injuries. Yes, and team. Or what about is, yeah? Like talk to me about Quinn. You know, it comes up the last year or two in the preseason of like. Is he a victim of his own success, you know, winning like he did? He's, it's, it's like win or bust for that guy. And the whole industry yeah. is like, what's wrong? You got second. What's wrong? You got fifth. It's like, it's really hard to win races. He just did the unthinkable for a long time.
2: I th- and I think that that's, I might be wrong here, but I do think he's one of these people that has to be very happy with the bike. And he needs a lot of confidence in that setup. And, you know, we, we know he moved teams, I think, mid-contract to get out of something that wasn't working. And I think with this intense, maybe it, it wasn't working great. The last bike, I, I think that it would be fair to say, didn't set the world on fire. Um, I remember Joe was on an intense a couple of years ago. He, his results were okay. He flew to America. The bike got lost in the post. He borrowed a Scott that was two sizes too small and pulled out his best result. And he was like, whoa. I
0: mean, and now... Man, finish the podcast exactly. right there.
2: Boom. <laughs> Scott. I know. So so I think the point I'm trying to make is you, you need the bike that's going to work. And if you're developing a bike and it's gone in the wrong direction or there might not be something that's worked that well. And again, with Nico, I think Nico has alluded to that moving you know to his own project that i think a lot is riding on this new intent and well
1: I, yeah it, yeah it's interesting that um yeah it, it clearly they wouldn't have made such a drastic change because it wasn't a tweak you know the santa has tweak their axle paths and their suspension curves and all the rest and and it was running the same vpp suspension so it's obviously you know to go as drastic a change and yeah a good good point on 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 Nico also making a drastic change both on on bike and and suspension design, then maybe this is what Gwyn needed. And Dakota's proved it's a is a winning bike, and Gwyn was a second off when things were going right. But um, I think maybe we'll find him in the mid to back half of the season. Although he has been a strong starter, he will settle into that bike and tires and um, yeah.
0: No, I mean, that's fair play. And I was chatting to Mon Whiteley about it. We both wrote some columns and we were kind of like, this is all well and good, but we're going to know a lot more after round two of the World Cup than round one. And maybe for Gwyn, that'll be the case with the new bike. uh, Early season in cold, wet Europe. I mean, every year we come into the podcast, I want Gwyn back on the top step. Um, I know it's super tough for him. Like I said, almost a victim of his own success. A lot of things going on, a lot of demands on sponsors, salaries. Um, And I'm also noticing this, and and I haven't spoken to Gwyn himself, but I think him taking ownership of that team is great. I I think he's got a lot of business sense as well. Um, And he's doing YouTube to probably give back to sponsors and something he says he enjoys doing, wants to connect with his fans, maybe form some longevity in the industry. But I'm not seeing every other athlete do that. Is that a distraction? At what point... Is he a guy that's able to block that out and say, well, I'm sitting on the couch for three hours before my next training session, so that's when I do my YouTube? Or is he getting dragged out to do a video here and there to keep the whole package going so that he can say, look, give me another year or two. We've got to develop this bike and I'll get you those wins. So those are just like soft things I'm noticing. Like I'm a big fan of the sport and Gwyn. Like I want him back. And I think he can do it, like you said, as soon as he's comfortable enough He'll attack the way he did uh, back in a few years ago. Do
2: you not think there's temptation? And again, uh, I might be off here, but if you get a lot of success and you've got this sustained, you know, at the very, very top, surely there's a lot of temptation with different companies going, you know what, we'll throw some money at you, we'll give you a lot of money to run our product. And you, you just go, well, yeah, why would I not take it? But the problem is if the product arrives and, you know, it's not up to scratch. Yeah, you can black out some tyres and put your own tyres on, or you might want to change a brake setup that's not working, but you're not going to do that on day one. You're going to probably have to go quite a long way down the rabbit hole to go, oh man, this isn't working. And I wonder whether potentially that's happened in the past um, for Aaron Gwynn, where it just hasn't quite been right. And if everything is set up for him and he's really happy and the product's good and the tyres are good, then yeah, we know the guy's, I, I, I really do think he is committed and I think he'd be very, very hard to be on his day. But it's whether he can balance that out. I, do, I couldn't imagine that ever doing any filming and editing and stuff is, is easy. I can't imagine anyone says it will only take an hour because it, nev- it we all know it doesn't. That, you know We're not happy with the outcome, so we're not going to put the product out. Mm-hmm. So it is a hard thing to get right, isn't it?
0: Yeah, and that's a key point. Um, uh, the podcast would have come out, I just forget the timelines, but I had a great conversation with Graves and he opened up to that very thing, probably being the highest paid Enduro rider on Specialized, feeling he just you know wanted to get out the house that was Yeti, no wrongdoing on anyone's part, but he wanted to see what it's like out there and and try something else for his career. And and he mentioned it didn't work out. Certain products were promised. They weren't delivered on time. And there was no exit clause to write anything else. And and it definitely suffered, or his results suffered because of that. So I don't fault Gwyn. Like you say, it could be a really cool opportunity with, with a great company that can develop things. But like we know in life, maybe the timelines are different to what he expected. And maybe that delayed some things. And then... I mean confidence and momentum is fickle. So great point there, Alan. And and maybe this is the time that he's comfortable, he's married. But that's the other thing. Is he comfortable? Being married, house after, you know, Nobody, like nobody's like,
1: comfortable with a big mortgage, you're motivated.
0: Well they, okay, cool. So like the that's the crazy thing with Manar. Like he's never comfortable. Like he you know? And Gwen, yeah, he, know And he keeps he start, himself busy,
2: exactly. Yeah, I think yeah, this and, is and it. And we with know
0: Gwyn isn't, and I'm not alluding to anything. Like I'm just spitstorming it out there. Like it's a chain of events, like you said, that got him to this point. But I think maybe this year is that year if he's if he's comfortable. Um, I yeah,
1: midway onwards, I, I I'd say unless That's that fair. frame arrived at his at his house in December, which it didn't. So I'm gonna go there. I'll say who is comfortable. Um. Is Loris. I was going to so say. So I've already, I've already called, I've already called Finn for yeah. the win, and I've called probably Amory for the win, and I'm calling Loris for the win. So it's going to be a three-way tie at Lord for the win. Amory, Loris, and um, Finn. Finn. Yeah, that's my so three Finn, picks for the So Finn,
0: Finn is your wild card. So we're doing. Picks. Well,
1: I, I can't choose, dude. I just say all three of them are going to are going to win, so I can hedge okay, my bets. Okay, well then
0: I'll go Amory. Yeah, oh, shucks. I was going to say Loic and then Deprela. Can I have four? I mean, you. I, I like. <laughs> to, I like to mention riders that will be in the top five. Yeah, of I mean, they, they, you know, it's I, so awesome. I don't They're have the so... balls to call the win. No, me either. But the, and then there's so many riders that can do it. And you can't even do it
1: in in the woman, You know, you could say it's going to be Pom Pom, but then you see there's a and and then Valle was right near, but then. Cammy then goes and beats, um, Valley and, and quality and race. So like Valley's got second twice in two weekends. So will, will that be a motivator? And will she come back and she's learned what she did wrong or did right, change some bike setup. Um, and then Tani is back in the mix. Um, you know, she was, she won a world cup last year. So I wouldn't say she wasn't in the mix, but she wasn't where she wanted to be last year. So it's good. I think, um, yeah, I, there's actually maybe pom poms a bit easier to call for the win in the ladies than it is to call someone for the men's win. But you know, and that's just those four girls that I've mentioned. There's 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 a you know.
0: But but lot. look at these preseason results. So Miriam in first, Valley in second, Seagrave in third, Camille in fourth, Marine in fifth. That honestly could. It was be like a, that's
1: a world and that's a world cup like so, result and,
0: calling that would be Miriam momentum speed from last year, like an uncharacteristic crash to lose the World Cup series, but momentum speed on her side. And and Valuable. and that new and
1: they've and you know you know what fascinates me most? Common have had a winning bike for three years. Not one of those three years did they stick with the same bike. It's not like It's not like the V10. Oh, we got a winning bike in 2017, and it didn't change much, but it did because there were link changes, and there were other subtle changes. You know, the mainframes might have stayed the same, but not as much as the common cell changed over the three years, and it's won all three years throughout those changes. And the funny thing is, when Greg won World Champs, I asked Arthur. Arthur, Sorry, I just
0: butchered his name. Arthur. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. he was with Boss Suspension and yes. now works closely Correct. with Common Cell on the downhill development. Correct. Yeah.
1: And I'm like, it's um, so a Greg one, and is and then we're having a chat, and I'm like, oh, imagine you could like combine a V10 and a Common Cell because they're winning all these races. And he's like, I have a V10 in my garage. What do you? Think <laughs> you <laughs> yeah. <for?"> <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, and essentially the the Common Cell is is like a, it's not as high as it used to be. It is kind of got some virtual. I'm not. I know nothing about suspension design, but there's a bit of virtual pivot placement and mid high, you know, not a high idler, but a mid-idler. So they've literally morphed those two bikes together. And you would think and assume that Santa Cruz would be making the similar kind of experiments, you know. Um so yeah, it, it's uh and that's the beauty of the sport, you know, that's why the Daniel is the F1 and ASICs ex- and what you know there's so many things that keep us interested. Yeah, they might not sell the most bikes out for, the, for the company, but it's these little things, the constant tweaking that, you know, that keeps us interested. And, and yeah, it just, it just blows my mind that they change the product so much when it's already winning, but, you know, the proof is in the pudding. It just carries on winning or, or, or it stays up at the front of the pack. So, you know, you can't rest on your laurels in the sport and, and in life in general.
2: It just on Sven's point, I think that's a really interesting point to make because I think some companies don't want to change the product. They want to keep that sort of three year cycle because they want to win and then go, well, we need people to buy the bikes now. We need to use, you know, we need to get some bike sales off this. But like you're saying, with it being the Formula One, I think that downhill bike sales as a percentage of the overall bikes sold by each company, said comments out, it must be a very small percentage. And surely you're better off almost keeping them as prototypes but to me i do wonder whether some companies you know say we've we've got this bike we're going to stick with it because we want people we want the privateers to be actually buying it off the shelf
1: can you imagine being a common sell customer and every time you think you've bought
0: the latest bike Exactly, the next race They are. Yeah. It's
1: like, oh, I got last year's bike again. You know,
0: that's exactly. Yeah, I do that in golf. I'm always trying to buy the best driver to yeah. fix my swing. And then six months later, TaylorMade brings another driver out, but I'm Tiger Woods hits it. So, I, I and, obviously you, need and it, you can right?
2: adjust the bolts on them now, can't you? Yeah, you can take like, out bits and put bits in it, yeah, as if that's exactly. going to make you hit it straight.
0: Of, exactly. Did, but on that point, I was going to say, having <clears throat> these guys in your corner developing, say, you know what, it was good. But now we've tweaked it a little bit, but we believe this is going to make it even better. I think that can also help with the rider's confidence as well, which is another factor to consider. Because as you know, Alan, I mean, any little sort of gain that you can make can can just give that rider that extra edge. It's like, Okay, well, they say yeah. it's better. I'll you know I'll trust yeah. them and and hopefully we'll be better on track. But I mean, Valley Hall, yeah. I think, will be right there for the win. But she had, I think. The pressure's
1: pressure's off her. She's made all the mistakes.
0: Yeah, she's made all the mistakes. She won the series. She is one of... So in the top five, she's the only rider to not have won an opening round. However, she's barely been in the lead field. So it's like not a fair representation. All the other ladies. And same as Cammy. She's so new, but she's already won a round. I'm going to
1: say the girls better watch out for Cammy. She is a newcomer, but she's probably the most the person that probably sets the most goals and makes makes the most progress in her riding from year to year. She, You would never, three years ago, have put her for a race winner, never mind a world champs, and never mind a world cup to back it right up. And then she's also used to be the worst at jumping, let's say, out of the world cup field. And now if you look at those technical jump lines um, that they had at the, at the race in Briot, you know those are some like kind of super cross on off and and rhythm sections where you had to land and compress and pump um and not pedal and she I could see by just some of the social media that some of the girls were like whoa, whoa whoa," and like hers was the first clip in practice that she was greasing the you know those things and 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 I think she manages to learn and make progression with her riding. And then she has all the, the balance abilities and there's other like sports crossover stuff. Um, she might not be the, the most natural racer racer. And like when you see what Pom Pom and Valley and Tani and, and, and Rachel Atherton used to do with the bike and, you know, the, but just from sheer, you know, pers- perseverance and I think uh, they're going to have a tough time on her hands.
2: I think with the with the girls, the point you're making about confidence, what I saw and linking also to Camille, if you go to Leo Gang, you go back to Leo Gang, and I know you were standing at this section for a, a good chunk of practice. Sven is on the lead into that quite dodgy big big double that sends you out of the woods onto that sort of final section, and it was where Valleys crashed and really hurt herself, and a lot of the girls were really struggling with that. But what I saw was that was really impacting on the way they practiced the rest of the track. They almost couldn't get that section out of their head. And talking to a few of the, the girls, they were all they were talking about was, I haven't done the jump yet. I haven't done the jump yet. And it really affected them. And when they did finally tick it off the list, which is an impressive feat in itself, you know, that's a huge, difficult jump with a difficult run in it almost was they were looking back on their practice and going, you know what? I didn't make the most of practice because I was that worried about that damn jump that the other 95% of the track, I didn't even take in. And I do think a number of the girls really ride on that confidence and either really boosted by it or it really knocks them down. And the gym I was in last week, I trained some of the the crew out of a gym in Oswestry and Tane was in there and she'd just come back from Portugal and we were having a chat and she said that she actually really liked the fact that she went to that race and Miriam and Valley were there because she had to turn it on. And I think Tane suffered from some some sort of injury hangovers and some quite long-term, um, shall we say, knock-ons or ailments that maybe have knocked her confidence a bit and, and maybe limited her just riding naturally and not thinking about anything because her style on the bike is very free-flowing but when a rider tightens up, that flow just disappears. And now Valley has got through those those crashes that I think were down to really the pressure on her to, to get that that win. Um, I do wonder if Valley's going to just push on and on and on and, and leave the other girls behind or whether the experience of Miriam, who again does seem to get better year on year, I've always been impressed with how Miriam has got better and her style seems to have changed over the years um i think that the race with those four girls uh and marine as well in there i think you've you've got an interesting top five that are going to be shuffling around a lot
1: yeah that that clip of uh, miriam that in that portugal race two weekends ago where you kind of you you either dropped off the rock or you went around the rock and then you pushed to the right into that left slingshot berm uh, you know, like these days, as sad as it is, your your feeds kind of scroll themselves if you're watching stories. And I just, you know, saw it. I wasn't studying it, so I didn't actually see that it was a, a clip of her. And I just like sc- stopped dead and thought that looked super gnarly. And I repeated the the the, the story um, or the reel, whatever it was auto what playing, thinking it was like one of the Common Cell boys. Um, yeah. And it was Pom Pom, and I was like. And I don't want to say she rode like a guy because, but in this day and age, you've got to be careful what you say. Um, but I could not believe how strong and like she is ready physically. And yeah. like, as you just said, Alan, um, which re- was what you reminded me of, uh, she's gone from strength to strength each year as, as they all are and and have to, it's it's, it's no different to, to all the men that are stepping up every year and, but she's going to be hard to beat because she is looking strong and, and, of course, confident, even despite her mishap last year.
0: Yeah, I mean, and the she... momentum's on her side with the the pre-race. Uh, bloody well winning the series last year if it wasn't for that really, uh, I think, just unlucky crash. I don't know if that was just pressure and choking. I think she was pushing pretty hard. Um, But, you know, the, the question mark is obviously Marine Cabarou. She's shown that she can win races but she's coming off injury last year that she had to fight back from. And then quite a, quite a gnarly neck one as well. So she's showing more pace now. She's, she is feeling good on the bike and stuff like that, but that might be a little bit delayed season for her, maybe for the win. And as well as Tana, I'll be interested to hear your thoughts, Alan. So you spoke to her and you can always, often gauge quite a lot from speaking to someone or maybe on what they didn't say. Like, is she, is she sounding more quietly confident about her body and, and how she was at that race? Or do you think she's still building that confidence and, and maybe later in the year was where we see the normal Tane?
2: Uh, my, my feeling when when we were chatting was that she was probably quite pleasantly surprised with her result there. And she was like, you know what? We're into this fight. That's good. Um, I think she's maybe not done everything she would have otherwise done this winter um, based on sort of getting herself comfortable physically but um, I, I think that Tane is one of these riders where she lives and rides that will really set her up for Lord's well. It's steep, it's muddy, it's rooty and, you know, there's rocks about there's uh, she'll. I, what I find really interesting is when, when Rachel was racing, you had Rachel and almost Tane was the young pretender who was, who was in theory going to be crowned as soon as either going to beat Rachel or when Rachel reti- was going to take over. And, it was almost when rachel stopped racing all the other girls found that you know what i can win this now but i'm going to have to put everything into to trying to win and they all seem to elevate their game and really push each other on and i do think that the 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 field has has improved and improved and improved um, and maybe tane can get back to that position where she, you know she was running number 2 to rachel for a while and uh in theory, she should be number 1 now but it's not, it's certainly not been that easy has it i
1: i think the tane rachel rivalry is what propelled and got tane like you said got her up to where she was like number 2 but not just number 2 also not just stealing wins from rachel but beating rachel on a on a on, on an equal race um and uh you know, I think when Rachel didn't or prematurely ended her season with with the injury and not having Rachel last year, Tarnie didn't have someone to, like, beat. You know, she was friendly with Pom Pom and friendly with um, the other girls. I think she needed that. Ra- if Rachel was racing last year, I think Tarnie would have done better. You know, yes, she did have some, some injuries and niggling ones and, and neck issues and all the rest. But I think, and I think, now she's perhaps recognized that herself um well she has she's t- she's told me that like rachel not being there has not filled her fire as, as much as it used to be so you know recognizing all these things you know with the head the head is, is as andrew you, you used a sports psychologist in your racing Um, it, it's uh you know that's that's the other that's the other part of the package
0: no, I mean, it's a huge part. I mean, it's the biggest part. At At the end of the day, you've spoken about Kami, who's up to skill level, as well as she's newer to the sport. So things are still exciting. So seeing those gain, gains that she makes, oh, I'm jumping better. Like that's motivating. For someone like Miriam, or even Tane now, like seeing improvement, is it's so small. It's all those small gains. So, you know, the gains you do with your trainer and all those sort of stuff. So... I think as years go on, it's tougher and tougher to stay motivated, but you alluded to the mental side, and that's everything really at the top level of any sport, and that's sticking to your process and realizing when you're injured, unfortunately, there are stepping stones to get back. You might not be able to have a goal of winning a race if your last race is fifth place. So we're just getting word that Alan. That's why I've lost my train of thought. Alan has a a deadline, and we're having so much fun. But for, what for, I was for Andrew say, and
1: I, this is off season for yeah. for Alan. This is like but, the most crucial time of his yeah. year. And here we are nattering about um, <laughs> about
0: uh, and Alan's and like this out. is like
1: costing me literally like hundred dollars every minute. To talk to you guys. No, yeah, it's but, um, it's.
2: I think this is exactly it. It's getting that it's getting that racer in a position where they're. They know what they need to focus on. They can turn up to the line physically ready. Their bike's up for it. But also mentally, they're they're able to focus. And the irony is that you spend your entire off-season and your entire life focusing on a race run. And then when you get to that race run, you've somehow got to tell yourself, this isn't what you've been focusing your entire year on. Because if you built that pressure and expectation on your shoulders, you just would massively underperform. And it's a cruel irony of sports performance at an elite level.
5: Yeah.
1: So, who is your pick then, Alan? We we haven't nailed you down.
2: I think I. It, it, I yeah.
1: Is there conflict of interest? Well,
2: I'll tell you something. I'll tell you a brief little story that will justify my expectation. Okay, and my my prediction. So, I was on track. Me and Greg were walking uh, the track at Maribor. And he came to me and he said, we need to go up the track. I need to find out where Loris has got two and a half seconds over me in the final minute. And honestly, those corners, as you'll know, Sven, once you come, you've got that dodgy, like, triple, that natural triple, that horrible left-hander, and then from that section down, it's it's not difficult. It's, you know, you can ride it on a trail bike, but somehow Loris was able to push and push and push and gain time on the very best in the world and significant margins. And to me, Loris is going to be very dangerous because if he can do that on non-technical sections, we know what he can do when it is technical. So I think that um, we're going to have some French in that top five. I'd love to see Greg on the podium. Um, I'd love to see one of the British lads I coach, Joe or Charlie get, you know, cement themselves in that top 10. And uh, yeah, I'm, I, I can't wait for, for it to all start, but I think the French are probably going to have a strong showing at their home round.
0: Over to you, Sven. I think I've,
1: I've already made all my calls over the course of this one.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, then I don't have to be put on the spot. Yeah, I mean, it's I've written this article trying to say that to pick downhill, we could use some ways of picking the stock market or predicting it, but that's a terrible idea. And I think downhill's worse. I think it's way, way worse. So going off momentum, going off past performances, I do like Loris. I, I think that's almost a safe bet if there ever is one. And then you've got Umri riding at crazy pace. So I like those two. But those two, Loic's at home stewing. So I think he's going to elevate his game there. Thibaut de Preller, I think, is going to take longer than I said earlier, maybe, to fight back and, 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 come, and come and win that, win that race. So those are kind of my picks. I do think it'll be French and in the ladies as well. Miriam probably over Valley. Um Cammy. Could be. Marine, I think, still fighting back from injury. So yeah. Miriam probably in the ladies. But like I say, hopefully it's a crapshoot of weather. Maybe not hopefully. But that's just for my picks. <laughs> like no one can say I just pick hope so it's far, stable. Right? I th- let's hope let's hope for some good weather, right? Yeah. Stable. I don't weather. I think
2: that like Leger, Leger's that sort of classic situation where the clouds roll in at 4.30, it really can make things more difficult. And we know that they changed the whole qualifying uh, method purely because of that, you know, so you couldn't sandbag and come down early when potentially the weather's better. So uh, yeah, let's have a fair fight. And um, I look forward to catching up with you guys uh, in the pits.
0: Yeah no, thanks so much for joining us, and definitely uh, we'll catch up in the pits, and we'll have you on for the, the other episodes coming over. We will kind of review some of the races. Sven, any final thoughts? Or definitely missed a lot of riders. There's an incredible crop of, of riders that could upset any of our predictions.
1: Yeah, we'll we'll let Alan go, but I, I, even though we've overlooked them, but we I've got to like mention three juniors that have piqued my interest. Um, but Alan. It's below his pay grade, he can he can leave us.
0: All right. Thanks again to Alan um coming on board. It's awesome to get his insight. I mean, I've worked with him, but he has a real holistic way of training athletes. Um and like i when I was staying with Brendan, he he knew that me and Brendan would go ride at Surrey Hills. So he would say, Cool, Saturday, you're riding at Surrey Hills, do this. And I know he knows how Greg's schedule works. And it's great to get those insights. Yeah.
1: You know, I thought uh, you think speaking to a, a trainer and a coach, and for, especially from the strength and and you know the f- the physical side of things, but like you said, he takes a holistic viewpoint, and I think him recognizing the writer's mental needs and how that coincides and works, he works the two together, which which makes him a successful coach. um Yeah, you can't just be like uh like anything these days. You can't just you know be good at one thing. You can't just focus on telling you know he's not telling us how many and for different riders is like not how many reps and how many pull-ups and how many squats or or how much weight it's he's like literally takes a completely different approach to to all of his riders and um yeah it's a it definitely gives perspectives that none of us would think about
0: yeah i mean it's that old saying a happy rider is a fast rider and every rider must find their own sort of happiness flow state all those things same as Gwynn. He needs to get to a point that he's happy. He's confident to go fast. And the same as any other rider coming back from injury or anything. And uh, some exciting riders on the horizon for you, or at least some juniors going on mm. to factory teams like Jackson Goldstone going over to Syndicate, which I think will actually do, Greg, some positives, having those I young so. guys around. You hung out with them at a, sort of a photo shoot and training camp. What, what was that sort of like?
1: Well, there's the juniors. You always have this crop of juniors, and they come in waves. And and last year, the two guys that were battling most for for the wins and the overall was Jordan on on Madison and and Jackson. And then Jackson edged him out at the end. But you know, it was close. And when Jordan did win or did have a good one, he, he beat Jackson quite solidly at, at some rounds, which probably also you know made Jackson realize at an early age that you know he's like Vale she she was beaten as a junior when everyone thought she's unbeatable um she got beaten as a junior which which I think you need to happen as a junior both of those guys now second year but you've got another th- third year coming to spoil those guys party and it's yet another Frenchy and I think he's on a common cell as well again yeah he is uh, be- because he's so we got Hugo joining the fold. Um, and I know there was quite a bit of... Uh, he had a couple of people interested in him and looking at him. And uh, it's going to be... And, and because he's French and comes from that background, he won't have that rookie first-year junior like a lot of the first-year juniors do. You know, you get some that are already pro. So I think uh, Jordan, Jack, and um, Hugo are going to be battling it out all season long, even even though... Yeah, Jackson's on a new bike and loves it. And and in the rainbow jersey, he's super confident. Um, but it's not going to be easy work for him.
0: No, and it's so interesting that this junior category, how it evolves. You know, back in the day, we were speaking about Troy Brosnan and Sam Hill, those guys, Chi Athens, and they came up and there was no junior yeah. category. So they, it was, geez, it was sink or swim for those guys. At least you have some time. You're riding against other juniors and you're on a podium that builds that sort of confidence. So it is awesome to see them getting picked up, but it is changing the sport. So yeah. I'm in two minds because these other guys that don't get on factory teams early as a junior sometimes get left a little bit behind, which is just the nature of the beast these days.
1: Well, I mean, the sport's becoming more professional and and, and credit to, to UCI, the, the best thing they could have done is recognize the juniors and giving them their own category and it's it's you know a lot of juniors wouldn't have got the support if there wasn't the junior category so and a lot of teams are loyal to the junior they don't just kick them out you know they give them a solid chance as their first year elite even you know and then, and then maybe they keep them or drop them um but the fact that there's now a category of their own so they can be recognized their own. Um, and of of course they're comparing their results and where they would be placing in the elites, you know, but you know, it's too bad we don't get to see it on the live feed, um, because it is, you know, maybe we will in 2023. Um, but the fact that they can have their own category has upped the level of the sport. They, they treat it like factory riders, they groomed like factory riders they're often at the events. Back in the day, they used to pre-run. They're not allowed to do anymore because they realized that was unfair. You know, a lot of the top juniors were pre-runners the year before. little um, sneaky. Uh, uh, Finn. Finn yeah. was one of them. And
0: uh, so was. Uh, Who else? There's been a couple. Probably Loik and Loris.
1: No, I do not think it was a character. But they're not pre-runners pre-runner? I at all. can't remember
0: them as pre-runners. I, I remember, remember Finn did a, almost a whole World Cup year as a pre-runner. Yeah, I mean that was. A, I mean, a, just think about that. I mean. Yeah, that was uh, invaluable. I'd raced invaluable. one World Cup before going to elite category as yeah, a so, junior. Some Aussies did two or three. Yeah. Some Frenchies could do five or six. So, yeah, you know, it has elevated the sport, and they're coming in ready, you know, and riding really quick because they still get to compare their times. Yes, they go a little bit early in the morning, but we can still dissect and see if they got um, sort of fast enough times to call themselves a podium elite rider like Troy has done, like Brendan has done, things like that. So, But before we sort of wind this down, let's not forget... Um, Forget people we
1: forgot. Like now,
0: no, I'm I just I got the notes. Danny Hart hasn't been mentioned, but I want to put him Laurie in.
1: Laurie, we mentioned briefly, but not yeah. in, in, as a contender. And I think. Uh,
0: and those two are almost like World Cup winners that can they come back to, to I think, where they want to I be? I think
1: both of those could quietly come back, especially. Actually, I'm not going to say especially any of them. Um, either of those guys could surprise us for the win. Um, I'm going to say because of the unpredictability on the new bike, I'm saying it might be for me, I could see maybe Laurie getting a win before Danny. Um, and then this, and then the same applies for that new team, that young, the good vibe going around at the syndicate right now. We spoke of who's going to be on the podium or who's going to win. And we kept talking about four of the girls, but we, you know, Nina did win, a, has won a world cup, um, then did, Suffer some injuries and concussions, and um so we haven't talked about her. So it's you know, there's we can't talk about everyone. We've already gone two hours almost, and um, and this has been yeah. Finn be is podcast. needing
0: to look at what the surf swells doing tomorrow. I'm sure I've got some things to do, a few beers to drink. No, but we can't speak about everyone, um, because we would go five hours, and you guys wouldn't want to listen to us. But yeah, it'll be great to see Nina on a factory ride. Uh, come back from those injuries what will that be like for her like i mentioned earlier the expectation is it just going to be a positive or if the results don't come does the pressure of being on a factory team and getting everything done for you so there's no excuse you can't say oh, i'm working on my own bike uh,
1: she had a she had a fact let's say she had a, a she had a factory level yeah but up last this year.
0: this ups a level yeah let me tell you that when you get on that factory felt- ride and a few results don't go your way it's really tough. It can be tough. Yeah. But I think this is only going to be a positive move for her in Santa Cruz.
1: Yeah. At at the test camp, she felt the pressure early on, um, you know, to be in that same realm as everyone. But um, by the end of it, you know, and, and she's had a break from, from her injuries. But by the end of it, by all reports, um, she was confident and performing well and knocking her times down on the, on the testing. Um, and that's really what counts, you know, seeing the progress go in a certain direction.
0: Yeah, and definitely not last but least, but someone like Charlie Harrison uh, finding that speed and form again after some injuries. And then Angel Suarez, I think, has really been knocking on the door. Yeah. I saw that at the did last round. Did he time. get injured
1: at the end of... It's, is he been, he's he been quiet this offseason, but he's...
0: I haven't he's looked been into instrumental why he's been quiet, he's, but I do think between Angel, Dakota, Charlie, not to put them in the same boat, we have mentioned them. These would be the guys that could be knocking on podium and get momentum yeah. big time in this in this year, and then you know exciting. Uh, he might not knock on the podium door, but Nico Malali building his own bike or getting someone to build their own bike for him. It's obviously a story that's pretty cool to see.
1: Yeah, he's he's like a blue collar. It's just
0: like a different story for the World Cup. Well, and Is he's it a blue collar. Every,
1: you know, he's a blue collar rider racer and get shit done and gets in a digger built, but he's. He's like what every sport needs, you know, of course he wants to do as well as he can do, but it's almost like he's cared more about giving back to mountain biking, you know, so, um, what a solid bloke.
0: Yeah, it is that it's like, okay, we don't have a race series out East. I'll make a race. series. Okay. We don't have good enough tracks. I'll build them. Hey, I, I kind of got this idea about a bike and I'm going to just build a bike and put a race season together. But Guys, this has been epic. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Send some feedback. What do you want to hear more about? What do you want to hear less of? Um, if it's me and Sven arguing less, it's not going to happen. That's what we're here to do is you know, kind of challenge each other. But this has been the Crank Brothers Race Review with me, I'm Andrew Nyetling. As I said, synonymous with downhill racing. Sven, correcting me if we're going to include the flat pedal, 12 years of elite world champs, but 11 years in a row with that mallet DH pedal. They've got the shoes going. Sven was telling me before the podcast started, he's like, oh, my goodness. I think I've only I've got a few pairs in the box, but I didn't need to build them up because the, they last so good. They're super comfy. And, uh, yeah, thanks to Sven. I don't think people know. Not all of you do. But him and Anka housed me a stone's throw away from the Crank Brothers' office in Laguna Beach. So that's where this history comes of this At podcast. At the bottom of the most
1: iconic trail in California, uh, Talonix. Talonix, yeah
0: um do you remember my first rundown Talonix and my first year over after Seota? Didn't you almost like dislocate your shoulder or something I honestly oh wait I, this is almost, I, I, I suggested he followed, almost I su- stopped I su- stopped before it started I suggested
1: he follows me because i'm I'm local and even though he's a faster rider than me, I know I was definitely. On His first run it would have been a hell of a lot faster than him. I beat Lopes down the track, so I figured you should follow me and not the other way around. No, no, I know what I'm doing. I'm like, all right, let's see. <laughs> I think I, I, I went, found him in a pile halfway I down went the track,
0: cartwheeling down one of the steepest slopes I've done in my entire career. So, yeah, uh, just don't let the ego get too ahead of you. But um, it was you that actually forced me to try Crank Brothers pedals the year later, and I have never looked back. You remember that.
1: Yeah, I think in, in, you're like
0: you're going to ride these pedals. I was like, well, what I ride works, and you're like, no, and there's something different about these pedals. You and need that's to try them.
1: change. We're creatures of habit, and and I don't like change. I like,
0: and and Same,
1: then yeah. to go off a, a, a like a Shimano style SPD, which was 99 percent of what people, if they rode clipped in or wrote clipless pedals, that's what you were used to. So, um, you know, whether it's changing your training, like. Um, manade or or changing pedals or changing you know change can you know can have good good results in the end
0: no, no absolutely
1: guys um you, well, you know what's murphy's law someone's going to be on the podium for sure that we're we we haven't mentioned that, that yeah but of mentioned. course
0: um that's why I say I'm like secretly if it rains then none of these predictions matter but guys don't run away because if I do remember to do this you're going to hear from some riders Thanks to Boris. He got some audio for us, as well as I think I'm going to throw a sneaky Troy Brosnan insert where he helps predict uh, who he thinks will win. So guys, this has been the Crank Brothers Race Review. I'm Andrew Nietling. That was Sven Martin. Alan Milway was with us before that. You know what to do. Like, subscribe. Oh, no, it's a podcast. You do subscribe, but leave me a review because I bloody well do this in my spare time. You might as well help me get up the ratings. Leave me a review too because I'm doing this in my spare time too. So send Sven a direct message with some constructive feedback, just like he does no, it. Just so guys,
1: get raw, blatant, yeah, cutting feedback.
0: Yeah, go for it. Swear at him. Do whatever you need. Sven loves it. He is such a fan of the sport, as am I. So thanks, guys. Enough blabbering from us. Till the next one, stay well.
1: Moving the
5: needle? Loris. <laughs> uh,
3: some good days testing in um, Luzer? Yeah. Uh, long days, actually, like long week. <laughs> we stayed there like a couple days and then uh, Taruka was actually close, so we couldn't go like change track. So it's been long. <laughs> and, uh, you know, after all this testing and
5: your off-season training, how prepared do you feel for the season? And
3: What is your... You know prediction for the first race um i don't know about the others i don't feel there yet um okay. so we have two more races before lords to feel comfortable and get things dialed um that's just it like racing is tough and there's nothing else that matters than racing so as long as you're not racing you don't really know where you are and right now i don't feel super comfortable so We'll see next week, and then the week after, and then after it's loads, so hope to be ready by loads.
5: But if you if you like, you know, going the first race on the weekend in uh, Portugal, and if you would, like, win the race with, like, this competitive field, and you would win it, let's say, by four seconds, would it change your mind? Just like, okay, you think, like, okay, now I'm actually ready, I just
3: didn't feel ready, you know what I mean? Yeah, obviously, like, uh, when you compare yourself by timing, like, on the same track, same day with all the others, like, you can have, actually, a base, and probably in the next few races, we're going to see where we stand. Um, I'm not expecting anything because it's probably going to be some tight racing. It's, uh, everyone's so fast these days. So, it's just a little, yeah, motivational thing and confidence, and yeah, it gets the body and the I'm going to interview Bora, <laughs> uh, and um, yeah, we'll see everything dialed, and we hope to be, and yeah, load soon. Matt, good to see you here in Portugal, just arrived.
4: Yeah, it's good to be out, it's good to be out, it's nice to uh, have a little bit of bike time before the season starts, I think, well, I've been out a couple of times already um, this year, but it's nice to, well, get the team together, first time yeah. for the whole team to get together and do a bit of down ride together, yeah. and Little bit of boxes left to tick, but and also of, of all. For the all. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, we ride like three days this week and then the race this weekend. So that's the first time really we go to uh, test everything and make sure we're on the right path, ready for the World Cup. But um, yeah, feeling really good, you know, and I've had a really good winter, so Perfect. looking forward to it. Uh,
5: have, did you expect the amount of pro riders and teams here in Loser and then also at the race? Or probably more.
4: To be fair, when I when we first chatted about it i didn't really think about it too much i expect it's probably just be us and maybe a couple of maybe local guys yeah. but now there's everyone here it's it's pretty good actually it's like quite a chilled atmosphere it's nice to see some faces in like in this environment and not not uh, have too much stress from like big races and stuff so, so yeah it's pretty nice and just enjoying enjoying the track it's rough as hell so quite good for testing so um hopefully we learn some things this week and yeah, just enjoy riding.
5: So, uh, would you say you are race ready for Lourdes?
4: Yeah, for sure. I. Uh, it's funny actually because usually at this time <laughs> of the year I don't really feel ready. I've, I've obviously had a bit of bike time by this by this point usually, but not really ready to race yet. But I think for a good few weeks now I felt like I'm I'm ready to go race and I want to kind of see where I'm at. Okay. Um, so I think that's positive and um, yeah, just ready to get going now. Looking forward to it. And
5: uh, kind of your. What's your goal? I like, think. Uh, I mean, obviously,
4: his. Yeah, I mean, still, still to, still to win, and uh, like, hopefully, this year get a World Cup win, and if not, be on the podium and uh, show that I can consistently be at the top. I mean, I've done it before, and uh, I feel like I'm ready to do it again. And he was Rhys and Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> nice.
5: Um, is it little little test camp World Cup here with all the teams for you guys?
7: I mean, yeah, it's, it almost feels like a practice day to an extent. There's, I don't think there's many missing, really. A few, uh, I mean, there's obviously a few teams missing, but yeah, it's ridiculously busy. It's, we need whistles on the track. But Is it uh, feeling good because you were here a bit earlier before the track was so blown up? Yeah, we definitely missed the frenzy. Somebody's, somebody's loved a chunk of meat at the war and the Piranhas have arrived this week. It's... It's pretty hectic up there now, but we got here we got here pre that so we got a good what four days of quite quiet, like yeah. almost silent track, just us.
8: The track and was still destroyed to be honest. Yeah. But yeah, it was it was pretty quiet and now everyone's showing up. It's I was crazy, I was having the same conversation though. It's so weird how like it doesn't really matter where the first race is to start the season, like somehow everyone kind of always ends up at the same spot <laughs> yeah. testing it was like schladming the last two yeah, years like yeah, yeah. every single team in the paddock was there and it's like it's the same here like every every day there's one or two more teams that are showing up so it's pretty pretty crazy but it is cool it's it's cool to um get that many uh fast people on the track and and just see everyone and like reese was saying it. it pretty similar feeling that we're, yeah, at a World Cup and it's just one of the practice days. That's perfect.
5: But, uh, coming out of the off you know, you guys haven't having seen each other for quite a while. How was it for you, Charlie, to see Reese on track? And for Reese, how was it to, for you to see him back on track?
7: No, it's, yeah, it's always good to see everybody riding again. Especially, I mean, I keep saying, I keep hyping, I feel like I'm Cade's hype man these days, but honestly, I'd pay good money to just watch Cade ride a bike all day. <laughs> he does some of the most ridiculous stuff. It's the same with the first day we were doing some trains. No, we got a wet day. It rained one of the days, so it dampened the dust down, so we managed to all follow each other, and we've done, like, a party lap at the end of the day, and everybody's just pulling handbrakes into the pits, just (laughs) shouting and loving it. Yeah, it's... Nah, you miss everybody for sure. It's a long off-season.
8: Yeah, it's, like... It's funny, every year, like, the season goes by so quickly, and at the end of the season, everyone's, you know, pretty tired. Oh, I'm looking forward to the off-season. You go home for a bit, have some time off, and then you like start getting antsy, and you're like, "Oh, when's everyone getting back together?" So, yeah, it seems like for the last like month, month and a half, Reese and I have just been messaging other, each other, just being like, "Man, can't wait to, can't wait to get back everything." And um, yeah, it's so good to hang out and ride together. Unfortunately, it was, I mean, good for testing, but unfortunately, we weren't really able to do any, any actual riding together this week because you would just axe yourself immediately, just basically just tape tape your goggles up because you cannot see anything anyways but
7: well, i mean but... you got pretty close to me once you, you definitely wanted to ride with
8: me once you, you... <laughs> charlie actually rode over the top of me yesterday <laughs> rear rended <laughs> clean up rear rended me insurance claim job yeah. it was huge it was a bit of a fender bender yeah. reese's <laughs> reese's brake lights were out and I, I ran it in pretty hard but yeah it's good. It's awesome to be back together and just yeah.
5: just sounds hanging fun. out it sounds, and
8: sounds fun. And it's cool just like as a group everyone i mean We've had so much to do these last five, six days and everyone's just really motivated to try and get the most out of everything. So everyone's been going hard, just picking pounding runs, trying trying this and that and tinkering beyond belief. So it's been good. Perfect. Thank you, guys. Thank you. So that's going on for
5: you here in Lourdes at your test camp. In Lourdes? Uh, In Lourdes.
9: Um... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're not doing much right now.
5: How's how, is, how are you feeling? How's the riding going?
9: Yeah, riding's good. It's pretty blown up the tracks, like just fucked. <laughs> it's, there's a lot of riders here, so but it's good. It's good for practice. Good for training.
5: Is it already some kind of competition? With like, I mean, you have Marine here, you have Valley here. I'm not sure who of the is The Kemi is here.
9: Yeah, everyone's here.
5: Would you prefer to have like a start of the season test training camp more on your own or you know to have competitors let's say around
9: um yeah I guess like I don't know it's kind of cool that the other girls are here as well because you're on the side of the track and you kind of get to see a little bit but I don't know if that just fuels the panic a bit more I don't know I'm not riding the same track as them today I picked a different track Okay. just to chill because I got all my work done like yesterday and the day before so I'm just, like, finishing off a couple of days' hard work with a bit of fun.
5: Have you seen something that would impress you riding-wise?
9: Mm. <laughs> no, I haven't really, like... I've just watched a couple of bits from the side, but... I mean, they're looking good. The girls oh. are looking good. Oh, the girls, I thought, in general. Yeah. No, no, just the girls are looking strong. Uh, I don't really care if anyone else comes by. Okay. <laughs>
5: so, ready for load? Kick some ass? Yeah.
9: It'll be good to get a race racing. That's why we're all here for Portugal at the weekend. But um, yeah, I feel I feel pretty ready already. So um, ready,
10: yeah,
8: ready, ready, already. Yeah, perfect. Thank you. How are you doing, Marine?
10: I'm fine. I'm really happy to be back on my bike and enjoy and enjoy hanging out with my teammates. I did an memory in late October. That revealed a broken kneecap. That was related to my injury in Leisure World Cup and explained the pain over the end of the season. I had to stop training and set up a recovery plan. But unfortunately, I, had my back, at training in early December and a broken vertebra. delayed again my winter program. I am now fully recovered and working hard to be back in shape and I'm feeling super good at the moment.
0: What could we expect from Lourdes?
10: I'm super excited by Lourdes World Cup. It's on home soil and one of my favorite tracks. I did well last time we raced there for my first elite race. I will do my best to get a good result and hope a lot of people will come to watch and enjoy that very first 2022 World Cup in France.
5: Chaos said you are absolutely on fire. Ray said it's absolutely entertaining
6: to see you riding here how do you feel about the ride you're riding yeah i'm i'm happy with it feeling good feel um feel i don't know i just feel like i'm riding, riding okay yeah okay. like oh, not no okay, okay but like i don't want to toot my own horn but <laughs> i feel yeah i don't feel shit so
10: we must be like doing something good
6: out. yeah i'm having fun always having fun dude well and not when i'm stressed but yeah <laughs> yeah yeah No, know i'm having fun it's good it's really so, good
5: are you ready for the stress and load yeah yeah
6: sure i'm ready for the stress stressing lord um hopefully there will be no stress and it'll all go smoothly but i don't think that will be the case
5: will you are you trying to you know, like we had it before like your the fun part of your riding if it's a skate park the dirt jumps or like just home trail shredding uh to adapt this to the to your racing you know to be more chilled and to enjoy it more and to not think too much and just like
6: yeah definitely i would like to do that but when the racing comes, you're always gonna get stressed. You're always gonna to want to do well. You're not gonna be chilled out and sit back at the end of the day because you yeah, don't want. Yeah, so, you want to win. Yeah, yeah. We don't come here to come 10th or 20th. We come here to fucking win. Oh yes. Okay. Well, I think you're in it for the wrong reason if you don't want to win. That's a good one. I said. I said that. I even said that in the day I was like, oh, I'd be happy to get top 10, and then the other day I was like, actually, no, fuck that. <laughs> yeah. Why the fuck would I want a top 10? I want to win. And like, all these people are going to listen to this and be like, "Oh, this little fucker can't win." But no, I've, I'm going to try.
5: Yeah, uh, no, it's a good point. Yeah. So um, is this is also the goal for the. you stay for the race on the weekend, right?
6: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, see Taruka. Um, uh, yeah. Every national race, you're always gonna get smoked by some local hero. So I, I don't have any goals for that. But welcome for sure. My goals a, you have are set. Quite a big field here now. Yeah, there's a lot of people, but there's always gonna be one of those local heroes that's gonna come through and ruin your day. So, <laughs> um, yeah, no, my I have no expectation for Toruca. It's just a practice race for me. Um, so I won't see. be striving for, well, always striving for the top. But you know what I mean. I won't we'll be, I won't be angry we'll, for it. We'll see you at the podium in it Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Well, no. We we try. We try. No, no you know, you said it we before. try. No, we try. Okay. I said I'm trying. Okay. Okay. I I see you at the podium then. Yeah. Perfect. Thank you. Thank
5: okay.
0: you. And because you're not going to be there, maybe speak a bit more free. like who do you have your money on if you are forced to put some money on coming into the first race in Lords?
11: I would say like if I was forced to to put my hand on one person to to win the first World Cup. Um, I would honestly, it's a toss up and it's maybe, it's maybe not who you think it might be. Um, but I honestly think it's, I want to give you one, but I'm going to give you two. And they're obviously both French because obviously there's a lot of Frenchies. Yeah. So, um, I really think Tebow has got a bone to pick with last year and I think he's going to come out swinging. Um, and another guy that obviously didn't race much last year in Amory, um, we just saw he won the race, um, in Portugal. I think it was, um, last weekend and he's obviously on form and can ride fast. So he's at a level where he's ready to win again. I think those two are a pretty safe bet that they will be one of the ones that win the first world cup. Um, The reason why I didn't say Loris or Loic, um, personally, I think Lords is a very, I guess, gnarly track in terms of it's pretty slick. It might be pretty icy. They're pretty smart races in terms of the season and the overall. I don't think those two will be ready to push it enough to get the win at the first World Cup and that's just kind of my personal thing. Um I might eat my words here. We'll hopefully we'll we'll see pretty soon. Um but yeah I think I honestly think like now that I'm sitting on the couch I'm gonna be watching it from home. Um I've kind of got an unbiased uh, look at it. I'm actually really excited to see how the race goes and how it plans out, you know, as much as I'd love to be there racing, I'm actually really, really excited to watch it and, and see where people qualify and where they, where they come. And hopefully by sitting back and watching it live and stuff, I can actually learn something. I don't know. We'll see.